Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for Black women by Black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as Black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal, and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. I'm, y'all, I'm so hyped for today's episode. Um, I don't, I, I've, well, I've not had like family on, no, I'm lying because my co-host is like my sister friend, um, but I haven't had like a family as a guest on the podcast. So I'm super excited to have like one of my closest, longest friends um, my sister from another mother, my sister from down the road. Um, today we have a special guest. Now I feel like I should read the bio before I do the intro, but I'm just too excited. So (laughs) (laughs) y'all know her as Kiara Belen. I know her as Kiki. I don't think I ever called you Kiara in my whole life. (laughs) I've been calling you Kiki since the day we met. (laughs) <laughs> it would be weird if, if I did, but thank you so much, sis, for coming on today. Oh my God, what? Are you kidding me? That's not even a, you're welcome, but like, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm super excited. Like, um, Kiki and I go way back. Um, damn, it's like just not hitting me that we're actually doing this right now. But... I know. <laughs> That's good. But That's probably better. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, this is super exciting. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about Keek. She, uh, we've been like best friends since middle school. Like we grew up playing basketball together. Um, yeah, like Kiki used to basically like live at my house half the time. And I would just like, we, you know, I'm not going to give our, um, talk about all the, the, the escapades that we <laughs> But if anybody uh, doesn't know, I grew up in Vegas. That's where I'm I'm from originally. Um, Kiki and I grew up out there together. We played on the same basketball team in middle school. We went to the same high school together. We won state championships together. I mean, like we did all the things. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we've just like, we've just been like, everybody in high school and I think even to this day like if I go home people will be like how's your sister doing like how's Keek doing that's like one of the first questions people ask me um so that kind of goes to show like how tight we were like like if Kiki was somewhere I was like two feet away back in the day so not even yeah not even like (laughs) hip to hip all the time um but yeah so Kiki is, has gone on to do amazing things, um, since high school and I'll give y'all a little bit of background. She sent me her bio, but I feel like I need to like, it's not really enough for what, (laughs) what, you know, um, so Kiki, after we, you know, like won a few rings, state championship rings in basketball, um, in high school, she went on to go graduate from UC Irvine on a full basketball scholarship. Um, she, you probably know her if you're like looking at the video right now, whether it be on Instagram or YouTube. 
Um, you're probably like, I, I've seen this face before. Like I've seen it a few times. I know where I've seen it from. Um, my girl is on America's Next Top Model, Cycle 19. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and she should have won. Runner up, but she should have won. If you <laughs> saw the season, you know she should have won. Um, but I'm not bitter. I just know you should have won. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so yes, you'll probably probably recognize her from Cycle 19 of America's Next Top Model. Um, she, What you didn't see on that show is that my girl can sing. And if we're being real, Keek used to sing so much. She used to like get on my nerves singing because like every time a song came on, she had to sing. And I'm like, girl, can I just hear Keisha Cole for a second? <laughs> but she can really, really sing. So super, super talented. Um, she's traveled the world modeling and singing. Um, she's Macy Gray's backup singer and then eventually got her own show in LA, got her own show in South Africa. I mean, she is like traveled. Okay. Um, she's an entrepreneur. She's a business owner now and a mother with a beautiful little girl who we just got to see on FaceTime for like a hot second. Um, she's like the smartest little kid, um, that you'll ever meet. And also just like very lively. Like I remember being painfully shy when I was little. So it's like, it warms my heart to see kids just like, hey, my name's Maya. Like just, you know, putting themselves out there and just like, just like free. So, um, but like I said, Kika is a business owner. She mentors young models and produces fashion shows globally. What she forgot to put on this bio is that she was just featured in Harper's Bazaar and L-U-K. I don't know how you forgot about that. <laughs> But yes, so she uh, she's featured in Harper's Bazaar, L.U.K. Like she, some of the biggest magazines, fashion magazines in the world. So um, she's just doing a lot of amazing things, and I feel like there's more she could have put in this bio, but you didn't. So I'm a little mad. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just um, I'm super super excited to have this conversation. We are like in our 30s now, which is so weird. So it's kind of cool to be able to like meet up in this way and to like be able to have this conversation. Um, yeah, but we are, before we get into like the juicy stuff and just start to flow a little bit, we are going to get into our fast and curious round. And so for those of y'all who are listening and have been listening for a while, y'all already know what this is. This is the icebreaker round that I officially changed the name from icebreaker to fast and curious because I hate the name icebreaker. So fast and curious means that we have three minutes. I'm going to just throw some questions your way. You give me the first thing that comes to mind. If you got a story behind it, you can tell us, you know, you ready? Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Time starts now. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Tea. Okay. Um, what is the most like weirdest fact that you know? Mm, seahorses, the males are the ones that have the babies. So interesting, <laughs> right? Like, can we do that? Can we get that? <laughs> can I get that deal? <laughs> I know. I was like, can I be a <laughs> Okay. Oh, if I you see. could be any season, what season would you be? A spring. Okay, I'm for I'm summer for sure. Hot girl summer. Uh, <laughs> Hot wife summer. There you go. There you go. I like that. I um, what is your cell phone wallpaper? My daughter Maya. It's face. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could 
move out of Vegas and live anywhere in the world for a year, where where are you guys going? Well, the thing is, based on what I know, Seychelles. But based on what people tell me, it would be Italy. Oh, like in the really? heart of yeah, they I just really because I'm very much island girl. So mm-hmm. like an island vibe, those are my vibes. But apparently they have similar vibes there and I love Italian food. So okay. like right. they, they have a whole season where they just don't work. <laughs> I know, like why don't we have that? Right. I mean they get <laughs> they get work life balance. I know. So. And they also like it's illegal to email somebody for work on the weekends like see that's what i'm saying i'm all, i'm unavailable like yeah. they take it very seriously so I'm, right? <laughs> like, friday I'm at five do not disturb until monday I'm, I'm dead <laughs> <laughs> don't call me don't text me don't email me um <laughs> if you could be any animal in the world what would you be i'm definitely a bird like want to fly Okay. I want to fly. I would. I would say panther. I would be lion because that's like the cool thing to say. But like lions can't fly. Like flying is dope. Like you know. Yeah. Lions. <laughs> lions be chilling like eighteen hours of the day. I feel like you would be so bored. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, what are we doing here? <laughs> we 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 still chasing zebras. Like, what are we I doing? Would, I would be a bird that thinks she's a lion. Okay. So, uh, I, I would like have that. that lion energy, but in okay. the air. Big cat energy. Okay. Big cat energy. <laughs> exactly. I love that. What is the last time someone inspired you? Mm, I would really say, um, honestly, this morning. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. This morning. All right. Are you, do you consider yourself a traveler or a homebody? Definitely traveler. Okay, cool. Yeah. Where's, where's the last place you traveled to? I mean, I guess, I guess both, but uh, Vancouver. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, what's your favorite TV show? I don't watch TV. Girl, I watch way too much TV, but I really enjoy <laughs> it. It's my coping, it's one of my coping mechanisms. I'm glad you know that. <laughs> Because I have my own as well. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get into that later. Um, what is the last song that you listened to? Bigger by Beyonce. Oh, okay. I feel like that's the song you and Maya sing together. Girl, well, it's my anthem to her. She don't okay. know it yet. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. love it. Um, what was the or what would uh, if you could have a superpower? I feel like you already answered this. You said you would fly. But if you could pick another superpower, what would it be? To heal. Oh. For you to heal or to be able to heal to, other people? To heal other people. Oh. For, for them, think... for them, yeah. I've never gotten the answer. That's such really? a... That's crazy. Empathetic answer. Well, it makes sense that you wouldn't because most people don't know that they have healing to do. Oh, Okay. So okay. it's like it, it, it's okay. almost like, yeah yeah it's almost like like I didn't know that because that's the most frustrating thing is when you come to an involved space and you want somebody to get to a place and you realize they can't get there because they don't they can't fathom what it's like to be there mm. so and so they, they they're not going to listen to you or process your information or even want to so like you can't even present it so I would just like to surpass that and be like Boop. yeah and they'd be like oh I love that I love that last question. 
okay, you've got a dinner, beautiful dinner, whatever food that you want, and you get to invite three people. Now, these people can be dead, they can be alive, they can be uh, an imaginary person from a movie, um, any any three people that you want. Who are you inviting? Barack Obama. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay. Is Michelle gonna let that happen? Michelle, I have I have to have her too. <laughs> Not just by default, but because I also like come on, like they're the first couple, yeah. the first yeah. black couple, and they're they're a whole vibe. Yeah. Like I just wanna know what your conversations are between your conversations. Ooh, yeah. You know what I mean? I like like I would want to see that interaction. It's yeah. not just me. I obviously have a huge crush on your man. We don't <laughs> have to talk about we I just want to know. Like, Michelle like, can sit in between y'all. Like Michelle can sit in between. It's okay. Yeah, you know, I believe Michelle so evolved. She'd be like, go ahead. Like I just see <laughs> I see I see her, her. And then um who else? I guess um uh, my future self. Oh, okay. You're coming with the answers today. I like it. I like it. Okay. Well, thank you for playing um, Fast and Curious with me. Appreciate you, girl. Um, I love those answers. I don't think I've ever had answers like that before. So you will never you are, have a podcast like this. Ever. You are you are setting the tone, girl. You're setting the tone early on. Early on. Um, so we're going to get into the next segment, which is my mind game segment so basically for anybody that's new to the podcast uh, my mind game segment is the segment where I pick a mental health disorder I read you the definition give you some facts about it and you have to take a guess as to what it is what mental health disorder it is I don't tell you now but you have to wait to the end of the episode to actually find out what what it is so you got to hang out with us for the whole episode Sorry. <laughs> not sorry. <laughs> not sorry, sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not okay. sorry. All right. So, Keek, you can guess if you want to, um, but I won't tell you if it's wrong or right to the end. Cool. Okay. All yes. right. All right. So, for today's mind game segment, today's mind game question this particular disorder um, is a rare type of sleep related disorder or also known as parasomnia, uh, which is what a sleep related disorder is called. Uh, it affects about 4% of adults causing stress and sleep problems. Um, according to the DSM five, uh, this particular disorder describes repeated instances of extended profoundly unnerving and well-remembered dreams. These elaborate unsettling dreams may involve life or death situations or scenarios that threaten an individual's sense of security or wholeness uh, nightmares of this nature usually take place during that REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep when dreams are no, are longer and, of course, more vivid. Um, when the individual wakes up, they are immediately alert and oriented. However, this type of sleep disturbance may cause a person significant unease and distract uh, distract them from daytime functioning. Over time, this can lead to emotional uh, a decrease in an o overall emotional and physical well-being. So if you have a guess and you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and plug your answer in below. Choose your answer below. And if you're on Apple, call Apple and ask them why they don't have this feature still to this day. Uh, but we will come back at the end of the episode and I will give you the answer to the mind games uh, question. Um, and as you know, there's always going to be some resources in the description 
if you want to read more about it. All right. So we are going to get into our topic today. Um, And I don't really, I feel like we just don't really have a specific topic today. I really wanted to open the door um, when I invited Kiki to come on the podcast. Um, We were talking and I was just like, you know, I want you to come in, feel comfortable. And I want to really just be open. So we kind of talked through, like sent each other some notes and stuff. And so I've got, I've, I know I want to talk to you about vulnerability. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, toxicity and uh, a little bit about worthiness and all that good stuff. So we're just going to kind of let, let the universe just like take the wheel on this one. All right. Um, to kick this off, I want to ask you, because of course this is a mental health podcast, I want to ask you, what does it mean for you to be mentally well? Like, what does that look like in your world? For me to be mentally healthy right now is to be completely balanced and untriggered. So when, when I feel like I'm out of out of sync, out of rhythm. Mm-hmm. It's it's more so when I'm when I'm like easily agitated or frustrated for some reason. So I mean, these are bodily things that happen to us. Why we end up feeling like anxious or fearful, or angry or frustrated. So I, I like to not judge myself necessarily for those things, but try to find the root cause of what it what's bringing about those emotions. Like or or feelings or, or energy, whatever that is. So um, so yeah, for me now, it's a balancing act of, of what's in my life, and I guess it was it was that before, but I wasn't aware necessarily of what I was trying to balance. Mm-hmm. And so it's more so under not just balancing it out, but understanding what your balance is, and then the things that are keeping you ultimately from living your highest self and like best life and, and not feeling anxious or, un, you know, guilty or scared to do anything, you know, you're just, you're just happy waking up, you know, yeah. like, are you, are you okay with silence? Mm. You know, those who are, you know, like scared being alone or whatever, like whatever comes up in your space, those are the things you need to shift through. So just balance overall, like understanding who you are and if we do have any things, any habits um, or tendencies, mm-hmm. addictions, um, thoughts, even thought patterns. It doesn't have to be a full-on addiction. It could just be something that you're addicted to thinking that you don't even know. Yeah. So, so for me, so a lot of many times we don't even we don't know we're in that cycle. Yeah. So really, just understanding yourself and your and your ticks and and, and uh, clutches and limitations. Yeah. 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 I, so how did you, like, was there a point or has there been several points where you're like, okay, I'm out of balance and now I need to like recalibrate myself or was there like a significant event or something that happened that really made you step back and go, okay, I'm feeling out of balance. Now I need to find a way to like get to the other side and recalibrate myself. Yes. And yes. Yes. Okay. Both. I think that we need to understand that balance is a constant recalibration of perception and current experience. So before, yeah, the big moment was 
me having a child and 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 re uh, evaluating my entire life, the things I was doing, the things I haven't dealt with yet. And so I guess I, I thought about this right before we, we started this thing. And we always say whatever power whatever you want to believe in, they say like they only give you uh, you only go through what you can handle. Mm -hmm. Right. In life, yeah. anything only gives you what you can handle. Right. And that's something that we really said. But what they don't understand, what they don't talk about is tolerance. And that if you pass that test, you're you can then handle more. Yes. So like everything you go through and everything you welcome into your life, you can then your your threshold for what you can experience negative and positive widen. Yeah. So um, so it's it's very it's an interesting learning yourself. You're never, you're never done growing. You're never done yeah, learning. You're never, never done stops. changing. Yeah, yeah. Like even when you think you've gotten what you perceived you wanted when you were little, no matter how many times that changed, when you get there, even that idea may change. So yeah. really it's that idea and that acceptance, that surrendering of like, I know I'm forever changing. I accept that. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm constantly trying to, bring about peace for myself and the people around me. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, uh, and, and from in an internal space, from yeah. nothing else external. That's the main thing because we're so stimulated externally. So yeah. how am I internally bringing about that peace for myself? Do you feel like before, like you were trying to find that peace outside of yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit? I mean, I mean, I feel like it could, can't, could I potentially ask that question to every single person I meet? Yeah. Like there's only a, there, there comes a point where we all hopefully realize that yeah. it is not some outside force that must validate my existence or my happiness or my, my uh, tolerance for this thing, Yeah. you know? So, you know, for women, especially and my sisters that are, you know, um, holding space for it's like we, it's relationships it's got you know yeah. as many women are like you know I have to be good enough I have to fit this thing for this person so like we right. are automatic we're brought up trying to fit a mold you know yeah 100 um, percent so that that alone is seeking a validation from something that yeah wasn't something I cultivated so yeah, yeah. it's kind of like we have kind of been raised in a society, even if your even if your home life doesn't tell you, I feel like society tells you in order to be palatable, in order to be attractive, you kind of have to like shape shift yourself into these mm -hmm. different molds. And I think it's very freeing when you finally hit that point one of being like, oh, I'm very aware that this is happening and I'm aware that I'm in this society that like I feel like I have to like fit this little tiny very small mold that society has built for what's acceptable as, as a woman. Um, yeah. But not only that, but okay, now I've, I'm aware. Okay. Now I have to like free myself. Now, who am I outside of the, these expectations and like, how can I find peace as myself? Like, who am I? What do I like to do? What do I enjoy? Like what makes my soul happy? And then, and then I think the next step is like, I'm okay living outside of the mold and not kind of like chasing to mm -hmm. fit this little tiny space that society's created for, for us. Exactly. I do hit it right there. I mean, I don't even feel like 
it wasn't until I was almost 30 years old yeah. that I started to have that epiphany. And I think a lot of women, it, it's the same narrative. And um, yeah, it, it's definitely a construct of yeah. things and, and, and liberating to kind of choose yourself and understand yourself and get to know yourself and be okay with yourself and by yourself yeah. and accept yourself. And uh, regardless of what, like somebody, you know, it, it's tough being a lady. It's tough. It's tough because it's, it's yeah. almost, it's not just a, it's almost an impossible mold. Because even when you reach that, you know, how people see you and what's expected of you is still almost impossible. Yeah. So it was, it was when I realized that, that I was like, if we're done with that, like, this is <laughs> obviously about this creation that I made and yeah. the legacy that I leave. Yeah. And I'm not the only person to be going through this stuff, which yeah. is why one of the main topics I wanted to talk about was vulnerability because yes. you're scared to be that based on the construct that says it's not okay yeah. to say me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, and I want to like, as when we talk about like touching on vulnerability, I think just again, existing outside of the, the social construct that, that have been created for us takes a lot of vulnerability, but it, it also takes some steps to get there. So as far as how how vulnerable you are today, how would you say that is different or how has that changed since like you're 25? I'm so grateful for this question, Ashley Gale. <laughs> talk to me, Keek. You know, talk to me. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you why. Mm. Wow. So when I was 25, what I went through and how I was perceiving it is very different now um, mm. because I'm out of it. When you're still in your trauma and the things that you still are susceptible to be vulnerable to, it is not as though you're seeking pity, mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily know how to express it from a place of overcome like from a place of this isn't this doesn't define me you know yeah. what i mean so i guess i guess the, the the best answer i could say is knowing vulnerability in a safe space mm. because it's important to be vulnerable but then important to know who deserves that vulnerability that from you yeah right because um it isn't until then it isn't until you know what you deserve <laughs> that you can then decide who else deserves that side of you mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily mean you shut off you can still express love infinitely yeah but you you can let someone in for the purpose of knowing they are also going to do the same and and hold it like um safely for you and not necessarily use it against you and, yeah and stuff like that when you're in your 20s early 20s i don't care who you are like i mean i, I can't say it, it varies but for yeah a woman we are really still trying to figure ourselves out and yes. figure out what life and intimacy and men and relationships are. And if you are in a place where you travel about it with somebody and you tell them this vulnerable stuff, it can come back and really hurt you. Yeah. So that's another place where we're scared to be vulnerable. But if you know yourself enough to have your vulnerability in a protected and immovable, unbothered space, Mm -hmm. This is this is my story, but it doesn't define me. This is my 
this is who I became. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, there's a reason why I'm letting you into this. Because most of the time you want to just offer a safe space for other people to share, to open, to yeah. listen. Yeah. We're, instead of projecting my vulnerability and my trauma on people, now I'm welcoming their vulnerability and sharing our vulnerability. Yeah. Rather than just throwing it out there and hoping for the best. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am putting it in a place where other people can now grow and feel light and love and connection. Yeah. So that's, that's where it's, that's the difference between young vulnerability and mature vulnerability. Yeah. Knowing where it's, knowing where it's safe. I, I love that. And I think it's, it says a lot to really focus on people that deserve that energy. I think I just like, I'm going back to that because I think sometimes in an effort to just want to be heard, get it off of our chest. Um, I don't want to call it oversharing, but oh, yeah. sometimes you can like, <laughs> maybe. <I will. laughs> Are we calling it oversharing? Okay. We're calling it, we're calling it um, unintentional oversharing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not meaning to, I thought that this was a it okay yeah you know and because because oftentimes we're we're seeking connection we want mm -hmm. to feel that but we don't we don't know that that person is in a space where they can't even accept or yeah or give it back you know in a, in a way where it is connected you yeah know, they're, they're they're seeking something from you rather than you guys sharing something yeah so you're you're yeah you're right yep it's it's hard to know what you deserve until you know what you deserve <laughs> yes. I want to go back because I know that there was a that a, a period of time where you were living in LA and you were very much like, not, like I don't want to say in the industry, but yes, in the industry life. And for me, I've never lived in LA, but having traveled there like often, I feel like um, LA is just can, can be not a safe space for emotions because it is I find it to be very transactional and people are just kind of people are often like making connections for the purpose of networking mm -hmm. and not necessarily. And I'm lumping LA uh, in a big pot right now. So if you're from LA, you live in LA, please don't come for me. Um, <laughs> but you, but you get what I mean. I think that when it comes oh, yeah. to like media and um, being in the industry, it can leave you kind of feeling like okay there's not spaces so particularly when you were living there did you like how did you find those safe spaces did you find those safe spaces did you have to go home um like what did that look like for you while you were there i absolutely did not find those safe spaces unfortunately yeah i did not find them there it's it's a big re it's a big testament to why I'm, I'm not there now in, and and this is nothing you know obviously there's there's pros and cons to every city okay mm -hmm. um i'm not the first person or the first person to refer to it as the land of the narcissists but there oh. there's a certain there's a certain level of like look at me in hollywood that has to happen for auditions you have to feel yeah. a certain level of believe it or not healthy narcissism there is a such yeah. thing as healthy and negative where the ego takes over is where LA becomes a monster mm. and you really can't trust anybody with a lot of things. 
so so yeah it, it was difficult for me because again I was in a space in a stage I guess of my life where I wasn't fully um I guess aware of myself right what I had to offer what uh dangers were out there you know and I think a lot of people go out there thinking that and like not fully you know how I would handle LA now versus how I handled it when I was 22 would have been completely different yeah and sure. and but it is so exciting and it's a, it's a beautiful place don't get me wrong there are so many opportunities but you know with great responsibility you know power comes great responsibility with great opportunity come much more risk and danger yeah yeah. So it just comes with the territory and it's all a matter of where you were when you met Hollywood. Mm. It's not necessary because that's how it could either consume you or you can consume it. So if you come there and you're not ready or you were bred there and you're figuring yeah. it out, it might take much longer. But if you came there and you were like, uh-uh, okay, I have my training, I have my credentials, I have my business, yeah. I have my contacts, I have my research, I, I know what I'm doing, I know how to grow and move here. Uh, then yeah, it may be a different experience, but it's it's a definitely a pretentious space of places where everything is about what can you do for me, yeah. um, and it's not LA's fault because LA is beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's what comes with entertainment and uh, limelight and ego and power. Yeah. Oh, well, I want to fast forward to now your thirties. Now you have my your mother. Like this is. I don't want to say a whole new Kiki, but we change and it's like really cool to see you become like an entrepreneur, a mother and be holding all these, all these different hats. And, you know, of course we were talking about before we started recording, like the fact that we're freaking kids in middle school, like running around and then in high school running around, um, thinking like that was life. And <laughs> that was like, that was yeah. it. But I, um, I want to talk to you about like when it comes to motherhood and particularly for your daughter, Maya, like how do you instill some of these values and in, in particularly talking about like um, her mental health? Like, is that a conversation that you have with her? How do you like, like, how does that, how does that continually get reinforced, you know, to her? I love your questions. This is the best podcast I've ever read on. Oh, like, thanks, girl. Hold up. Let me highlight that. I'm about to take the time down. <laughs> this is the best. This is the best. Like, honestly, I mean, they're so real and they're so in-depth and relative and puts me in, and allows me to answer questions in ways and see things in ways that I've never seen them, but that are very real for me. So it's very easy to describe. And, and so... Uh, for me, <laughs> interestingly enough, um, my journey for mental health really started when I became pregnant because mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to come to her when she was here as someone who was like doing extra, like trying, you know yeah. what I mean? Getting outside, you know, another opinion on like, you know, I knew I needed some work to do based on my past. And so, um, but to take it a step further as I parent her, 
Uh, obviously, I didn't have the most ideal upbringing, so I became obsessed with all like the materials and, you know, but I, I have my experience with my younger siblings. So taking from that experience and then what I've learned about the brain and developing, because yeah. we're talking about mental health and what actually goes on. Yeah, I read amazing books that I would love to reference later in like for people. Yeah, for sure. Just, like parenting or something like that. But there's one called No Drama Discipline. Okay. And um, it's by Dr. Dan Segal. And uh, in it, they talk about the development of the prefrontal cortex versus fight or flight response. Mm. Many of the things and instances that I experienced, I didn't know I was subconsciously being triggered into fight or flight response. Mm. Yeah. In relationships in my early 20s. Now, you earlier said, I'll touch back on you. You're like, I don't want to say a whole new kiki. I will go ahead and say <laughs> it is a whole kiki. Your girl was real aggressive. Your girl was <laughs> Do you really think you were aggressive? Honey, I wouldn't say, look at a, what is a trigger happy. <laughs> okay. Little sense, okay. A little sensitive. Little, okay. Little, little thinking things were happening that weren't happening in that. And, and I can say that on the other side of it, not yeah. to, you know, I know it might be sensitive for people to hear because one, one thing one of my therapists said, because I have three modalities in, uh, was that, you know, that's, he's not making you upset. You're, you're, that's, you're getting upset. And I was like, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> like, and now you're upset at the therapist for telling you that you're upset because you're right, upset, but not right, because right, somebody right, made right. you upset. Like, yeah. At the same time, you get to really understand emotional intelligence. Yeah. When you start to do this work. And hopefully when you become a parent, because for whatever you brought from your childhood, this whole gentle parenting journey that I went through is all about reparenting yourself and understanding your kid and the communication and the introduction to these big feelings that they're having. They've never had them. They don't have even the words to verbalize or vocalize what they're going through. So for me, to hold a space, a safe space as you have, what you welcome is a, a space for understanding growth, doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do, feeling okay with who I am and how I'm feeling right now. Mm. They, she, it made our bond. And it's crazy to say, cause there is nobody closer than me. Maya, ask anybody, <laughs> but it made us even closer. Yeah. She knew what most parents, when a kid is going through a tantrum, they don't recognize that's the same as when you're triggered and you're in a yeah. fight with your spouse. It's the yeah. same, it's the same reflection. So for me, I was able to see, oh, I'm triggered right now. Oh, baby girl, you're going through a tantrum. You don't need a timeout. You don't need me to be rough with you. You need a safe space. How can I help you? Yeah. What's, what are you going through? They call it in the book, and this is the last they say, name it, pertain it. And basically when you're in fight or flight, you're not thinking clearly, you can't perceive, you can't say anything like, uh, normally, so when they say, are you say, are you mad? And she goes, yeah. In her, like, as soon as she answers, she's immediately outside of her trigger. Like she's back mm. out of her reptilian brain out into the brain where she can now learn the lesson, mm. change her energy. She can't, you ever been in a fight where you're, I don't know. I know back in my day, that person can't even hear you right now. Like that's mm. what the kid is going through. And that's what we go through. And we can induce those just by recalling an unpleasant memory. Yeah. That's what we can do now. So it just progresses. It's just, it's just understanding where you are and how you're affected by things. Yeah. And being in complete control of that in my own emotions. If I control my emotions, then nobody else does. 
then I have no reason to not be happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's so true. That is so true. Yeah. And I think we talked about that a while back, and I was like, "Dang, that is." I think for me, having anxiety and feeling, understanding that there is also like a chemical thing going on with anxiety, but also understanding like at some point in that chemical like mechanism of like anxiety is happening, fear, flight, or fear uh, happens in like, am I going to fight? Am I going to fly? Am I going to freeze? Like I have a, um, if I'm mindful, there is an opportunity there where I can say, okay, I am having an anxiety attack or I don't feel safe or I don't know why I'm feeling like this, but I am safe. I don't mm-hmm. need, you know, like let me, and just like telling your brain, I'm safe. You're safe. Like we're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's not a lion coming to get us. Nobody's breaking yep. in the front door. Um, but it does take like constant practice. So um I haven't been home as much as I would like to be, but I will be next year. But I, I just know from like um, seeing how you and Maya interact is like vastly different than I've seen a lot of people interact with their kids. And then of okay. course, I think it's also vastly different than for both you and I, like, I think my mom had a lot of patience with me and I feel like I um, stayed in line quite a bit, but it was very different experience for my, for my little brother. And so, um, seeing how like you interact with her is just like very refreshing and also like a learning point for me. And also there's points from like, my brain is used to a parent being like, ah, like stop that. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, you know, like going up. And I feel like it's very interesting to see like, stay even keeled and like you said before like kiki you know kiki was ready to turn up <laughs> back in the day <laughs> kiki was not um you know she's don't don't let the, uh america's next time model fool you she was ready to turn up so it's very cool to see like the transition like the, the evolution that has happened and like Okay, Maya, and I'm like, okay, Kiki, can you calm me down? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, it means so much, even more for you to say that because obviously we grew up together and stuff, so you understand like where everything stemmed from and saw me grow and understand why. And I can say that it took it, doing the work is not easy. It is it, you're breaking barriers, you're breaking hopefully generational curses at the same time, but it is hard to face things and then reevaluate how you've been interpreting perceiving and reacting to things and just when you said that and it's interesting because like uh, I did this thing called somatic therapy where you get to recognize or practice feeling a trigger and then like have a certain like routine that you do when that happens Mm -hmm. and releasing this trauma and understanding where it comes from and all this stuff so um it is a reprogramming it is a rewiring but neuroplasticity is a thing and sometimes i think about i think about the ways and the things that i reacted in the past and i'm just like oh my god i can't even imagine turning up like that right now yeah so it's it's even interesting for me to see and think about like carol could you did you really you know what i mean because (laughs) Um, but it is, it, 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 it is a defense mechanism. It is a, a yeah. very natural human thing that our bodies do to defend ourselves and our psyches that we don't know is subconsciously happening. So 
I I like to present it to people like that as a chemical thing, as something that you're not aware of your body doing to take the pressure off something necessarily wrong with you and something that you did. It's nothing that you did. It's something that happened to you. You're not realizing you dissociated from. Mm. And now it's time to unpack those layers so you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And you can have different experiences and relationships. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I want to get into, um, you mentioned that you do have a therapist and that in particular, you do somatic therapy, which is not something that we have talked about yet. Um, don't know when I'm going to release this episode, but there's, I do have a therapist that is going to be talking about somatic therapy, but I'm curious from the other side, like from the couch point of view in therapy, can you describe that process? Um, mm. Like what maybe like your session looks like? Cause I know you said that there are some intentional triggers that happen and then you can kind of work your way through. So for somebody that may be looking for different modalities of therapy, just give me like mm. a little like rundown of like, what does somatic therapy look like? Well, let me tell you guys, like this was the, the, the third and final kind of thing that not final because I love I'm obsessed with therapy now like it just becomes (laughs) therapy is great therapy is great team therapy but um (laughs) the idea behind somatic therapy is the understanding that when trauma happens to us wherever whenever it happens um it is a physical thing that gets stored actually in our tissues in our bodily tissue Um, So, for instance, they say sexual trauma may be stored in the pelvic area. Mm -hmm. Um, If you had trauma in the past, I remember my first episode was like a very silencing, like you, you can't speak up for yourself and like you have to like, so my jaw, I held a lot of tension in my jaw, my upper. So like Mm -hmm. these things are stored. So, um, so she said it the best way. She said, have you ever been um, driving home? or driving to a certain, say you're going to the, look, to the grocery store, but it's in the same route as home, but you're on the phone and you accidentally go home. Even though you were supposed to go to the grocery store, your brain had this had this routine, is used to doing this thing, right? right? That's what our brain does for things that have happened in our past. And she described mm-hmm. these traumas as like a blind spot. So when we are in relationships with individuals or having interactions with something and, 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 and you feel an adverse reaction, like something way, like a reaction that was, whoa, like, it's not what I meant. Like what's going on here Yeah. for that person? What has just happened is they've been triggered and reminded of something that has happened, but they're not aware of yet. So what somatic therapy allows you to do, first of all, is um, stop dissociating. There are trained experts to allow you to figure out where your blind spots are, make them not blind anymore. And even if you don't know what the things that you're working through are. So I finally was able to, something happened at the time. The guy I was talking to said something and I was like, so you get to ask yourself, okay, is this because of something this person said or because Mm. of something that's happening inside of me? If you are unsure and you hesitate at all, you silently, quietly excuse yourself. Right to be to be alone, I have to go to the bathroom. Over that's why they call it the cry closet because you go okay. the and, cry closet, the cry closet. It's a okay. big thing. Like they're they're now like there's cry closets in college and stuff like that because it's, it's okay a real thing where you get to go and you get to release 
whatever it is that needs to be released. Because when that thing happened to you and you didn't get to react to it or deal with it, it stayed there. It didn't leave. Yeah, it doesn't so leave. This yeah. is just the reaction that you needed to have. Mm-hmm. So I, I started going through these things. I was like, I was like, China, like, okay, so how many more do I have? How much is in there? You know, she's like, I, just like, Baby she's like, I can't tell you that. But what I can tell you is that every time you release something, you make space and make room for what you do want to welcome. So it's just understanding trauma in a more chemical and physical way and then be able, being able to handle and manage it with your body yeah. and interestingly enough um connected to this podcast anxiety there's lots of somatic exercises for anxiety i don't know if you've ever heard of the tapping method i have yes i have so heard of the tapping method that that's a that's a somatic practice mm-hmm. because you're bringing your awareness back to your body yeah because when I went through my first episode, girl, and then we were under this, I was freaked out because yeah. I don't cry like that. And all of a sudden I was like <gasps> hyperventilating crying for something that I did and sh- to the point where she was like, Yara, I need you to tell me the colors that you see around you. Tell me the color. Cause I, mm. and then afterwards there was a whole decompression period of like, and I was like, what just happened to me? Yeah. And then she explained the whole thing of like the somatic healing journey and therapy. And like, we are wow. going down into your tissues and releasing things that have been there. And there's, it, it could have been years that it's there. And, you're, and so, um, <clears throat> you know, animals in the wild, when something happens to them, the lion is attacking, they go into fl- like flight, they run. Yeah. When that lion, if they get away 15 minutes after they're still grazing and they never think about that lion again. We are the only species that can recall that lion and our body go into <gasps> again. Yeah, yeah. So that becomes the chemical reaction and the addiction that our body begins to protect us from anytime something reminds me of that lion. Yeah. So that's why. Wow. And yeah. so it makes so much sense why so many people would be triggered so easily in a sense from our perspective mm-hmm. because it's you have no clue why they're triggered and i think that is why for me i think doing doing this podcast talking to a lot of people and just in life in general you run into people and maybe they're having a bad day maybe i i don't know i feel like i've run into people and i've had situations where i've intentionally am like you know what i'm not about to snap on you you need some grace right now. I don't know what you're going through. <laughs> so I'm going to remove myself. Yeah. Um, but whatever you're doing, it yes. has nothing to do with me. Like, let me just Amen. check what I've done in this situation. And to my knowledge, Amen. I haven't done anything to trigger this reaction. So yes. I'm going to just let you go. That's perfect. And I think that's kind of like, that's how I've been trying to move through the world is to give people grace because you really just don't know what people have gone through. I think that um, every individual has things that they went through. Some may be a lot more intense, not to compare or anything, but I think you just really don't know what people are moving with, like what people are moving around the world with inside mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. And so as much grace as you can extend, I think it's really important to to do so be, um, because you just you just don't know. And I think nine times out of 10, when stuff happens and there is friction or like tension or drama or whatever it may be, it's not really coming from what is on the surface. It's really coming from something that's like 10 layers down mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you end up fighting about what's on the surface or getting mad about what's on the surface. And 
sometimes it's not it's not worth it and it's honestly better to like take a step back yeah. or check if it's somebody close to you to check with them and be like are you good yeah like is yeah. this why you're mad did I make you mad or right, right. are you yeah. just reacting yeah exactly yeah. or what are you feeling or do you do you need a couple minutes because usually yeah. like firefight is a real it's a it's a reaction that like it's it's almost like, I don't know, um, hyperventilating or something. It's, it's something that has to run its course. And then when it's done, you're like, okay, like, are you okay now? Like what, yeah. what happened? You know, how, how can I like make sure, or, you know, it, it's just interesting because you're meeting everybody where they are at, mm-hmm. you know? And so grace, team grace, I think what you said is, is amazing. And I think if we had a little bit more grace and vulnerability for people who need it, um, but unfortunately we're, my story does not end, but is that you meet people that where this chemical thing is, is so an addiction is something that people need help with. Mm -hmm. These chemical reactions can also become addictions to where you are now no longer perceiving information and words the same in interactions. So no matter if you're my blood sister, mother, father, best friend, whatever, um, you can't change that. So just what you said, and I, I can only manage my energy surrounding you and what I choose to absorb right. because many times they're needing your energy in order to continue their own reaction. Exactly. Yes. So, you have to so, be a willing participant sometimes right, in order for that right. to continue. Right. So you just yeah. nip it right there and for your own good too. Like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want, I think that kind of like, I want to, in saying that, where do we draw the line between like giving someone, well, not giving someone grace, but um, having an interaction with somebody where you understand, you start to understand that, okay, this is not something that I'm uh, inciting. This is not something that I'm fueling. This is something that's coming from them. And where does it become toxic? Mm. And then when we cross that line into toxicity, how do you then manage yourself in those spaces? That was in it. That was the very last. That's that is everything right there. That question. (laughs) That's the Um, last stop, girl. (laughs) It is is the last last lesson that I learned because like, uh, I, I guess, I guess when people think about toxic relationships, they think, they think about like, like, a partner that they're interested in yeah. in a relationship. And I guess it wasn't until like, I realized like a toxic relationship from the best friend, quote unquote, that I had at the time yeah. that I realized that I was perpetuating this like lower vibration in my space. Um, mm. Because there comes, there, there's a line where it's just, I don't judge people, right? So you live your life the yeah. way you want to live it. <laughs> so long as it's not interfering with mine. Sometimes we don't know when somebody's sucking our energy because we want to help them. So I guess it depends on the severity of their interaction. If you're, if you're literally dealing with somebody who is like constantly negative, constantly um, talking about other people, right? Or the woe is me, the problems in their life. Not only is it not good for them, it's not good for you to listen to. Yeah. So how I see energy now it says I'm a solution-based thinker and literally negativity is one of my biggest pet peeves. Like yeah. I can't, I've gotten yeah. to the point where like, if somebody complains about something, I literally see through the complaint. 
Mm. I can't even process it into my own space for our, for our sake. Yeah. Because if you're going to continue to be in that space, you're going to bring me down, bring you down, and there's no use in talking about it. You can tell when somebody is comforted by their negativity. You can, mm. so, you can tell when somebody is comforted by their pain. And it is easier to talk about why, why I'm the victim than why I can get out of this. So yeah. you look for those, those nuances of like verbiage and conversation, how I'm showing up and talking about myself on a regular basis. And then you can decide like, is this person sucking my energy because I'm literally constantly trying to uplift them and they don't want it? You know, that, that's on a very like smaller scale. But then you have people who are living their own life. Then this is where it gets real crazy. You have people that have no intention of changing, yeah. yet they talk about themselves as a victim so much to where they like the attention they get of people trying to help them. But again, remember, they have no intention. It's an addiction. Another so addiction. So your energy <laughs> is what's perpetuating their addiction, giving yeah. them energy and depleting your own. And that is what narcissistic supply means. They're, you're giving their supply in demand. They're demanding your energy. Yeah. That you that is being. It's not going anywhere. They're yeah. they're eating it. They're they're absorbing it. They're, you know, it's not being reciprocated. So you got to decide that. Are, are my friends like offering me a safe space? Are my efforts being reciprocated? Not that I'm doing nice things to get it in return, but are we in that same energy? Or yeah. am I constantly showing up for you and feeling obligated to be your friend right. or partner and never being enough? Mm. So that's why that statement, I am enough, is so, because when you love yourself and you know what you deserve and are worthy of, that doesn't fly. You can't come into my space and bring me down because I'm in such a space where I'm just like, yeah, you're either coming up here or I'm going to gracefully and peacefully walk away with love. You show up with love all every time. And if they meet you with something other than that, try again. And then if not, yeah. you don't have to stand there. You can yeah. literally walk away. It is a very, it's a very powerful thing to start to learn how to set boundaries. Yeah. And realizing that being a people pleaser, sometimes setting boundaries is better for them and you. And then you welcome people who also uh, match that and living in positive experiences. And then you guys get to manifest and create beautiful lives together. Toxic energy feels uncomfortable. Mm, yeah, I would say toxic energy for me feels um, exhausting. Confusing. Confusing. And also, I think a big yeah. piece for me is yeah. like, being around people that I leave and I feel like, whoo, okay. Yeah. Whether it's a conversation, a phone call, a text, yeah. I leave that conversation and I feel like, oh, okay. Yeah. And That's I think perfect. there's also space for like, people aren't always going to have great days. I do think that there's also like a toxic positivity side too, but I think that the middle point is having the, the majority of your interactions really leaving you feeling inspired or cared for or mm -hmm. safe or relieved, relieved or just oh like oh that was like I, I feel yeah yeah I had fun that that little interaction and I think um if you're having interactions with friends family whatever it is and you're not feeling like that and you're walking away and you're like whew 
I think mm. I've gotten there. There have been times in in life where I've gotten off the phone with people. I've I've you know hung out with somebody and then gone back to you know my own space and been like, whew. Yeah, that was a lot. All right, that was a lot. I and then love like that, you know, like that one time, I I give people chances, so I will insert myself back into that situation. This is back in the day, and then I leave again, feeling like, whew, okay. Not only did you just like dump on me, I think you like kind of relished in the dump. Like mm-hmm. I think dumps are needed. Like sometimes, sometimes you got to vent, and that's dump. what friends are for. Yeah. Right. And that's what I was just going to, that's what I was going to add to what you were saying, because I was like, I love how you interpreted that because when somebody's an energy vampire, you can start to literally feel depleted. Yeah. And then you, you, you ultimately know, you know, when somebody gives you a good feeling, but what I wish somebody told me about narcissism in particularly, because they're all different and they show up different ways is that love bombing is a thing. And sometimes those Mm -hmm. interactions do feel good. And so you have to look at the trajectory of your relationship. It's not one time that you made me feel blah, 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 blah. It's like, in general, can I depend on you? Can I rely on you Mm. to at least hold space for me? Because usually those individuals can't hold space for anything but themselves because they're still like dealing with their inner child trauma and hiding from what they're dealing with. So that's why they need your supply because mm. they don't want to use theirs and they're you know so so it's like you know when you can trust your friends yeah and i can go back and say wow that like now thinking about all the other with the re- exception of you i can count on my girlfriends on one hand i got lucky enough to find you ashley gallus at the young age you oh, know that? Especially as, oh, oh i'm not done you wait till this closing when i have what i gotta say about you <laughs> but for women to go back and be like actually she treated me like crap like I, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, we just like accept things and we just like, oh, that's just hurt. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's not okay. You can't. Okay. But the, I deserve better than that. So you can carry yeah. on and I will hold loving energy for you. Always. Yeah. But I cannot, your, your toxic energy that you're perpetuating in, in proximity to mine is blocking my blessing. Yes. That, like it may be that part. hard. Yeah. It may be hard and I may it'd be you know we hold on to relationships because what are we scared to be alone yeah we think that they're like oh they're doing their thing and blah 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 it's validate stop that's what i mean those are the relationships and the toxicity and the the clutches and the validations and the things we hold on to to not deal with what's holding us back yeah 100%. you know like it's easier for me to help you with your problems and always deal with you and your problems. Now I'm not dealing with mine and now I'm distracting myself from mine and now I don't know what they are. And now I'm okay because I'm a hero and now bubble. And you're just like thinking about all the wrong, like meanwhile, Mr. Perfect and best friend and a life is it just walked by you. But you were in this dreaded thought of vibration instead of opening your eyes and seeing actually someone who wanted to buy you a coffee just because, Mm. you know, rather than just like needing you to give me this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Ooh. So, yeah. I think there's a lot of fear in that. I think addressing the toxicity though. For for me, I think you as you as I get older, I think that the reality sets in of like, okay, there are very few people that I feel comfortable enough with talking having an intimate conversation about or mm-hmm. with. Like there are very few people that I trust. And I think for me now living in like a city where I have like no friends here, 
it really highlights the fact that, okay, I have really good friends. Like I have really good friends that I can call, that I can text. I don't see everybody as much as I want to. Um, but it, I think sometimes it can be really tempting in situations. Like I feel like the one I'm in where I don't have a lot of people ar- around me physically to mm. hold on to relationships that aren't fulfilling and mm. that are really feeling like, um, I care for you and I am here for you and I have your back and I don't feel like it's being reciprocated, mm. but I'm kind of lonely. So I'm going to hold on to this. And so that could be friendships that could be uh, family that could be relationships. I think that kind of shows up like in all aspects well, of like, Ooh, I don't want to lose. And I don't want to lose this person because nah, not yeah, that I'm losing this person, but I'm losing a connection and right. I might okay. be left alone. Okay. So I'm so glad you said that because this is going to be a testament to how far you've grown and who you've become based on the relationships that now surround you. So this is a completely inverted. I'm so, this is really, okay. So yeah, we're scared. We may be fearing the loss of those connections, if you will, but we have to go deeper and ask the question of why I tolerate and accept this toxic thing in my life in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize this until just this weekend. I'm talking, it's very interesting being the oldest of seven and being a on the cusp millennial and then having siblings who are Gen X. Mm, Gen and Z, girl, don't get Gen that wrong. Z. Sorry. Gen Z. I'm sorry, the Gen <laughs> Z, you know how we, we millennials are. Anyway, but like, just, just okay, so uh, there's so many of them, so you'll never know who it is. But uh, <laughs> you really won't because there was a whole we lot. Were, of them. We were talking about the fact that they're in this relationship with somebody who's so safe, so comfortable, like never treated her so well, blah, 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 blah. But like things really annoy her about him. And she's yelling at him and they have these miscommunications and stuff like that. And then she feels guilty about it and stuff like that. And in the same, you know, hour of conversation, we're talking about how she was down 16 assignments. Mm. Right now, many times, like in our twenties, preteens, procrastination is a big thing. Like it's, we all, we all, yeah, all work through that. it or you don't, we all do that thing. <laughs> and so I was telling her, cause you know, obviously I'm biased because that's my sister. And I think she deserves like the universe and the best man. Yeah. But like where they are, you know what I mean? You can tell that this is the most beautiful, amazing woman that he will ever, ever like, you know, I mean, let's just say it that way. Yeah. And I'm like, there is a difference between codependency and intimacy. So he is allowing you to t- treat him any kind of way and talk to him and call him all kind of names. But he is allowing you to have an escape from the things you really need to take care of. I said, what type of energy would you have if you right now had nothing to do? It would be on a completely different vibration. She's like, yeah, you're right. I was like, how would that translate into your relationship? When home is taken care of and I'm good and I don't feel like anything else is in my space, I don't have toxicity in my space, then anything else toxic seems uncomfortable, seems foreign. Right, right. So it's the honesty of us going deep down inside. It was like, why am I still allowing this in my space? What are, what am I substituting what I think you're providing for me Yeah. for something that I really need to take care of in my life? Ooh, so a distraction basically it's a distraction yeah so we get yeah. the independent relationships to distract us mm. from our things that we need then that's what trauma bonding is and now we've trauma mm. bonded 
And now you validate me and I can't imagine leaving you, but this is the most toxic thing we've ever, but now I can't do without you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, I can't think or function without you. And so it's a chemical. Yeah. It's a chemical. So, but it doesn't have to be with a partner. It can also be with friends and relationships, substances, shopping, porn, like whatever, yeah, like anything, anything, but it is, but we don't talk about those things, those clutches, those like nuances of like, oh, well, I guess, yeah, because ultimately when you deal with those things, whether they be assignments or actual like mental traumas, yeah. once you're meditating in your whole, like whatever self, you're in your spiritual journey, I am totally fine being myself, being by yeah. myself. I would much rather be by myself than with people who are just going to sit in their own shit and walk. Yes. <laughs> not, not, I mean, I mean, not to say like that, I want to help and heal, but a lot of people don't want help. Like I realized that yeah. I was a journey when I first started, when I was like, wow, I'm awake, I'm conscious. Life yeah. is amazing, I'm happy. I want everybody to feel like this. <laughs> yes. Hey, guess what? You should know about this. You should know about this. And I was starting to be seen as like some, like, you know what I mean? If it's not welcome information or somebody doesn't want to change or be helped, mm -hmm. you're wasting your time and also pissing people off. Yes. Yes. 100%. I, <laughs> so, yes. I'm like, so I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Like I'll go, I'll be over here and be happy by myself. Yeah. And then attract the people who are on that same vibration mm. because your happiness and your contentness and your success and your just being cool can, will threaten people who are not there yet. Yeah. And I think that is like a reality is that some people are just not ready and that is okay. And I think yeah. I, I've had that same, I think I had it with when I was super, super active and into the gym and I had that same pull of like, I'm doing this and I just feel so good. And I want to bring other people in and, and some people are like, like, yo, calm down. Like, I'm not into that. And it's been the same thing with my mental health journey. I'm like, Therapy is great. Have you tried therapy? Do you want me to help you look up a therapist? Like that's how I'm like with a stranger on the street with whoever. Um, yeah. But I, I, yeah, it's, I, and I try to realize, okay, there was a point in time where I was not ready for that. There was a point in time where I would have had the same exact reaction to that somebody part. telling me, me this and I would have been offended that and part. I would have been like, ugh girl like nobody got money for right uh, and who do you think you are tell me i need this exactly yes yeah so i yeah. have been there and so when i've had that same reaction from people i have been like okay like uh, okay i gotta like reel it in number one mm -hmm. give them some grace like it, yeah. they're just not ready just like you weren't ready so yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. think it's all like in time um but I want to talk a little bit about, I think, I think part of that has to do with going back to like, um, being confident in like who you are outside of what society says you should be. This is like going back to early on in our mm -hmm. conversation, but I, I want to talk about how that ties into self-worth and mm. how we can really like, like, what do you use to let me let me ro let me roll back a little bit because I think I'm jumping around a little bit. Um, if you guys remember earlier in the episode when I was introducing Kiki, I uh, talked about how she is mentoring young women um, and is producing these like global fashion shows. But I think again, there needs to be like emphasis on mentoring young young women in the work that she's been doing 
with young women that are pursuing modeling careers or that are just trying to increase their confidence. And I think the self-worth piece for me, I think of like, oh my gosh, being like a young 14, 15, 16 year old little girl and having somebody like you like pump them up, <laughs> whether it be oh, virtual God. or in person <laughs> and knowing how you were on the basketball court, I already know you in there doing huddles <laughs> and shit. <laughs> so I want yeah. to talk about like, how do you instill um, self-worth into the, the people that you coach? Oh my God. Thank you. So it's, it's, it is, it's how, because it's my, it's, I truly at this point now believe it's my purpose too. Mm. I truly believe that you know, everything that I went through being this like eldest of seven, like glory, big sister, that was my identity. Like it was kind of an, easy role for me to mold into as far as like these young girls who especially at that age everybody's feeling that uncertainty hormones are kicking in and I'm trying to figure Mm -hmm. it out and so for me to just be an outside force um or extra voice you know not just what their parents are saying but from a place of like non-biased like understanding that you can do this thing and then watching watching the magic and the epiphany that happens to them at the 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 at the end of our course and yeah. after that fashion show and then them being inspired to do that and more things yeah you know just because they had that platform and that one person that was just like yeah you you're amazing you know what yeah. i mean like you're doing this and um and so yeah i mean there's nothing that i enjoy more than watching that process and watching a young girl find herself find her voice and be aware and I often think of my lessons especially when I for instance like my posing lessons I called it modeling from the inside out because mm-hmm. even being in front of a camera for those pictures is like vulnerable like you know putting it like your body yeah. and like angles and stuff like that and you can see how even somebody moves in their body language just how comfortable they are making those movements yeah. So I've been able to translate all of these lessons into just being free and being yourself and not being scared to look weird and not being scared to have a bad frame. And then understanding that you have to have bad frames in order to have good ones because you won't know how to grow unless you do. And then you get a sense of ownership mm-hmm. of who you are through that self-worth. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's, it's huge. And especially in such an crazy day of social media and how demanding and restrictive the industry is itself I felt like it was the perfect like umbrella for me to say hey listen like yeah you can do this you're good enough there's all these other options over here of things you may not have known about this is about you and your journey and your brand and getting to know yourself and what you have to offer yeah um it's really an important stage of development at that point um and great for me to get to be mentors for some of these girls and watch them grow and become comfortable with themselves in their bodies and um just know their value and worth not just in the industry but in life yeah that's kind of like what our whole purpose and model of at the fashion life tour is and everything that i do and do workshops all over now so i mean i I don't know. Sometimes you wonder why you went through all of these things and stuff like that. And it, it makes more sense every time I do this, Mm. when I 
touch a young girl who has something similar or could relate to a story or something that I went through and then see that like it doesn't have to define you and you can choose you first yeah and and then decide like you know what you can create you know and that like first but it, it is I didn't even know I didn't even realize how out of touch I was with my needs and wants until I started at therapy and like, they were like, what do you want? Like, what do you like? And I couldn't even answer that question. I didn't even know that I liked baths until I was like 20 years old. And I was like, you know, to be able to say and ask for things I need, let alone, or, or want, let alone like negotiate a contract. Like these skills, they translate into as you grow and be like, no, 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 like I, I get to do this. You know, yeah. I, des- I deserve this, this, this reality and this feeling. And there's no sense of entitlement at all because I'm grateful and I've earned the spot to be here and say that. So it's just building that confidence and, and ultimately just practicing you getting to know you learning who she is and what she likes, how she moves. So perfect way, like modeling is a perfect way to be able to like kind of spark that inspiration for someone. Yes. No, I love that. And I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, when it comes to like trauma being stored in the body. And I think that, what you're doing, and I don't know if you've thought about it in this way, but I think what you're doing with the mentorship that you're doing and the coaching that you're doing is also maybe like instilling some good reactions mm-hmm. inside of, of the body. So, and I'm just thinking of like being a very awkward looking, like for me, teenager who just clearly stood out in the crowd. I think having somebody be able to coach me through movements, especially like movements where I'm looking at myself. I think it is a form of, I don't want to call it therapy, but I think it is an ex- a great exercise on self-worth, on recognizing your value because you're literally looking at yourself. And I think so many of us go through moments where like we look in the mirror and the first thing that comes to mind is something negative. And then the mm-hmm. second thing that comes to mind is something negative. And then Mm -hmm. the third, fourth, and fifth thing. And it takes like 10 things before you're like, I like my shoulders today. Okay, I'm cute. It takes like a long time. (laughs) You know, like you got to, you beat yourself up five, six, seven, eight, nine times before you're like, oh, I kind of like the way my thighs look today. Um, So I think the fact that you are teaching these young women and young girls to look at themselves and have good reactions and be like, oh yes, I like, yeah, I like that about myself. I can look, you know. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And I don't know if you thought about it like that, but I think that is a powerful thing for young women to be able to go into this world with is like, I know when I like hit this pose, I know I look good. Like, as opposed to like, Ooh, I don't know. Shoulders in, you know, hunched over. It's like, yes, I feel good in my body. You know, I think that's really powerful. So, wow. Thank you so much for expressing that way. No, I didn't see it from that angle. And I really appreciate you. Like, like, sharing kind of because you're absolutely right and and it is it's very obvious within like the 10 sessions or so when somebody starts to relax into their body Mm. and and because that may be the first step because everything that we've been touching on and talking about it really basically just comes to whether or not someone is letting their body control them and in survival mode of fight or flight or in control of their body, things that are happening, their, their thoughts. 
Yeah. You know, like those, those self self-defeating thoughts. It's one of the first things we have to eliminate in modeling because it doesn't, you can't have, you literally can't yeah. have a good it serves no purpose. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's only when you come and you own it and you warm up and now you're like, pow, pow, you're hitting it. You know, if I feel like I look like, you know, not great, my pictures, you know, I'm just look gonna, great. Say, yeah, exactly. But if I know that even if I'm wearing an outfit I wouldn't normally wear, but I'm going to rock it because I'm rocking my skin and I'm in this shoot and I'm happy to be here. Like, yes. So thank you so much. I just, it's just uh, very grateful and lucky to be able to do what I do. Yes. Yes. He got, I'll, I'm super excited for what you're doing and I'm really excited to see what you do next. I want, um, just curious, like what's the age range that you work with? Uh, great question. We've had girls as young as five. Oh, cute. Uh, so as young as five, that is kind of the youngest we take. And I do like to encourage parents for any of you guys that, you know, have younger kids, um, for that age range, we really, it's about fun. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I really want these kids. Cause for me, especially if it was acting or anything coming into your own is being comfortable and having a safe space. So, um, a lot of the times, depending on your package, if you're talking about commercials, these kids have to read. So depending on what you're trying to get out of it, you know what I mean? Some parents just want their kids to be in a social setting where they do have to put themselves out there, you know, and they are being desensitized to crowds, you know, or um, something like that. And then um, majority of my students are going to be in the preteen um, to maybe 22 range. Uh, and then I do have a couple classic models and classic division works with models who are 30 and above um, as well, who are just trying to understand. So it really is a wide range. And yeah. uh, I, I, I say that because we've been lucky enough to be connected with different agencies, real legit ones, um, uh, creative directors, I mean, um, agents who basically are looking for talent of every size and every you know, yeah. many times people say, oh, you, I'm not tall enough. I'm not skinny enough. People who do commercials are models. They're not actors. Like, And commercials require a whole gamut of different looks. And voice yeah. acting is a thing. And, you know, hand modeling. And not to say that you can't be on a runway. Maybe you have an incredible walk. But knowing your lane and being yeah. comfortable with your brand is yeah. another way of kind of understanding your role and purpose in, in this world. Yeah, it's like we all have things and strengths of ours. We all have something to offer, and that's what we get to discover. That's yeah, what we get to discover. yeah. Is it exciting? Because it's exciting for me. You know, I used to be like obsessed with like Victoria's Secret models, and I used to like watch the runway shows, and like have I had all the magazines, and I had like um, what was it? Vibe was like my favorite magazine, and then I would just like take my mom's Vogue magazines and all that stuff. Like I, I used to love. I'm not really into fashion as much anymore, but I used to love watching like fashion shows and, and watching the different looks. And, and then there was a point, I think probably when I went to college where I realized that so much of the pressure that I put on myself, as far as like how I looked and how I presented in this world was from these shows that I admired. And I thought, Oh, I'm, I love the clothes. And I realized for me, somebody that looks like me 
I hadn't seen anybody that looked like me that was like as tall as me that had the same build as me that, you know, I just didn't see that. And so I think it's super exciting. And I feel like I'm kind of like renewing my love for fashion in terms of all the really cool boutiques and small businesses that are coming up as opposed to really focusing on like the big, you know, the big names. I think it's awesome to see different shapes, different sizes, people that identify as like, maybe they're non-binary, different genders, people that are trans. Like, I think it's like mind blowing to see the complexions, the hair textures, the, Mm -hmm. the sizes, like, Mm -hmm. and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, this whole time, it's all about that confidence, that, that thing Mm -hmm. that you have, it really has. And I feel like I'm just happy that kids these days are able to see, even adults, like not just the kids, yeah, even the adults that are maybe unknowingly putting these same pressures on their kids and, mm-hmm. and the people around them or themselves. Like mm-hmm. it is not about how skinny you are, how thick you are. How It's really about like that oomph that you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, it really excites me to be able to like scroll through Instagram and like, I try to follow boutiques and designers that um, that I can kind of see myself in or just mm-hmm. see somebody different instead yeah. of like the norm of what we right. usually see. But how how has it has it changed your outlook on fashion, seeing like the wider range of just people in general that are coming into the industry and like, you know, getting lots of fame and lots of followers and things like that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely an exciting time for me, especially for what I do. And you're absolutely right. Having that person that you can relate to for young kids is is a huge, I mean, whether they were actresses who you never saw had your skin tone, um, accent, um, even people who have like on the spectrum now, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. More to, to, to raise awareness to, that we are all human. And that, um, and so that je ne sais quoi, that oomph, that thing that you were talking about is so interesting because when you were talking about, I always wanted to be skinny enough and tall enough and pretty enough. And now I feel like we're shifting to a place where I want to be worthy enough. Mm. And I feel worthy enough. I'm worth, I'm not just worthy. I am more than worthy. I am all that. I am comfortable. I am okay. And I have other people who are on my team who also are like that. So, so it, it is, it is really nice. And, you know, there are obviously still struggles. I have a couple siblings who are in the LGBT community now. And so it, it's even more personal for me. Um, Not saying that I wasn't a supporter or whatever before I always was like super inclusive, but now like seeing some of the things that my brother will go through or something like that, or even if somebody makes a comment and he's not there, about like something passive aggressive, you know, how like in the back in the day, people tell me like, well, you're not, you're not black. Like they would say it like, mm, as if like, yeah. you know, don't worry as yeah. if like, you don't, you're not in that category. So yeah. those kinds of little nuances of just like, yeah. So yeah, I, they got, I guess, uh, uh, all inclusive bathrooms and stuff and kids thinking that they can dress like girls. And I immediately shut it. Like, I'm just like, yeah. So what is the, what's the, what's the problem? What's the that? problem? And yeah. You know I mean? Like, so it's so funny because like me and my siblings are all so close that we all like, we're just like, excuse me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> gang, gang. What? <laughs> you guys no. can, 
So it is nice for kids, adults, everybody to feel like they have support and they have people who are behind them because there was a time very recently where that was not the case. Mm. And we still have a lot of work to do because there are still girls today. I mean, it's, we had Victoria's Secret. We had MySpace at best, you know what I mean? When we were growing up and now these kids have all of these images to make them feel unworthy. Mm. They have, like we, what you just said and what we had, they have 10 more like times more resources and things to influence them to make them feel like, I mean, I can't, there's most of the teens that I start working with now can't even make eye contact for more than three seconds with me. Mm, Yeah. Like we're not just talking about self-esteem and awareness now and consciousness. We're talking about human interaction. Yeah. So like it's a, it's a, it's, we're, it's a, it's a battle. I can tell you right now, because like it's an addiction that even I sometimes feel like, oh my God, why am I scrolling like this? To think about like a young child who is constantly being bombarded and and integrated with these things and then to step out into the real world when I don't really have to talk to people and, and like I have all these other influences about what I should be. And so while I'm excited, I still feel like vigilant in the, in, in the journey and the task ahead of us to to make girls feel worthy. Yeah. Earlier, sooner than later. Sooner, sooner than later. Than later. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The, wait, the harder, you know, the longer the story, let's just say. Yes. Ooh, girl. <laughs> well, I want to get into our um what's the psych tea segment. So this is um a newer segment. Uh basically I have an article I didn't show you. Um, but I'm going to just kind of give you some blurbs from this article. Um, we can talk a little bit about it, but, um, you know, I'm a nerd, so I read articles for fun and go on like psychology blogs and, um, follow some really awesome pages. Um, yeah, so we, I'm basically going to, uh, throw out this article. It's from psychology today. It's actually called, it's, it's, um, category is child development. So the article is called seven behaviors that might indicate childhood emotional neglect. So I will just quickly run through these seven behaviors. Um, But I thought this was really interesting. And I have like a long list of of different articles and stuff. But um, it some of the key points are that childhood emotional neglect can lead to low self worth, which is what we were just talking about, it can lead to low self esteem, or poor, uh, poor confidence um, poor self-confidence and really recognizing how you feel about yourself is difficult, uh, for those that were neglected emotionally in childhood. So now we're talking about adults, like what happens to these kids Mm -hmm. that experience emotional neglect. And now they're adults, 20, 30, 40, 60, 70 years old, and they've experienced emotional neglect. What does that look like, um, now? So, Again, these are seven behaviors that might indicate um, indicate childhood emotional neglect. I feel like that's a mouthful, but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm like struggling to say. <laughs> so, and this is from one particular therapist that wrote the article. And again, y'all know I'll, I'll throw the article in the description, but um, these are just seven common reactions that they noticed in their own practice. So the first is becoming upset when people don't notice important, thi- uh, Im- important things to you. So maybe you got a haircut Maybe it's your birthday. Maybe it's uh, you just had like a big accomplishment at work and you feel like they just don't care because 
they haven't necessarily brought it up. Um, the second one is feeling left out. So kind of that feeling of not being included in like a social gathering or conversations and it triggers that feeling of not being included um, and not getting that that like attention that mm-hmm. you would have gotten as a child. Right. Right. Um, it can be uh, for people who experience child- childhood emotional neglect, um, that typical feeling of like, oh, I'm feeling left out can feel more painful and can feel, can sometimes be a hindrance to healthy friendships. Um, the third one is the feeling, feeling the need to fix others. So this can come from a history of wanting to help a parent or a caregiver who may have struggled with mental illness or substance abuse symptoms as they were growing up. Um, these children often feel a great sense of responsibility to protect their caregivers, even if they've experienced abuse by them. So this can create a cycle often termed uh, codependency uh, in which an adult desires to fix someone that they love and care about. So that's that intent feeling that you have to like fix those around you. Um, The fourth one is comparing yourself to others constantly. So um, some of this is is part of just being a normal human, especially if you're a young human, like we were talking about um, feeling the need to compare yourself to other people or maybe the curations of what those people are on on social media. Um, But if you notice that you're doing this constantly, whether it's comparing your body, career choices, relationships, or your family to everyone that you see, whether it be in person or social media, it could be a sign of low self-esteem or uh, low self-confidence. The fifth one is always feeling like people aren't listening to you. So this is coming from people who have a history of like not feeling heard in childhood. And it suggests combating this by um, taking a step back, looking at the situation, and um, really just addressing it head on by saying, hey, it, it seems like you're not listening to me. Should should we talk about this later? Do it another time. But um, really just addressing it to see if that is actually what's happening or maybe that's just your perspective. Um, number six is feeling the need to over-explain yourself or make excuses for feelings. So it's this is usually seen when, no, when they feel like no one's listening. Um, for kids that are raised in environments where emotions or feelings were shamed or possibly led to punishment. Um, they grew up with the message that certain feeling feelings or experiences are actually bad. Um, many people who did not feel heard in childhood tend to overexplain due to a history of feeling like they weren't believed in childhood. So whether it was going to uh, a parent in childhood and kind of um, being questioned, or maybe they just didn't believe them now, you're 35 and you are over explaining yourself to everybody that you meet. Um, and finally, number seven, so disordered eating or substance overuse. So this can be, this can happen uh, when children are emotionally neglected. Um, later in life, they may turn to food or other substances to fill that void. Um, and that can sometimes lead to overeating or a substance uh, overuse. So she's, not she, I don't know uh, the gender of the person that wrote this, but uh, they suggest combating this by noticing when you reach for food or substances, um, asking yourself, what are you feeling? Are you bored? Are you feeling empty? Are you trying to fill a void? Um, And possibly working with a therapist that specializes in whether it be disordered eating or substance use 
can help increase your self-awareness and understanding if you are self-medicating. So that is the seven behaviors that might indicate childhood emotional neglect. If you want to read more about this, uh, again, I will throw the link into the description. I just thought that article was really interesting. I think it's always interesting how things that happen in our childhood tend to mold us um, later in life and sometimes unexpected ways. So um, again, the link is in the description. If you want to check out the article, feel free. Um, we are going to hop into our mind games answer. So if you remember earlier in the episode, uh, I gave you all a mind games question. I will give you a quick, um, quick little description of the question, and then we'll get into the answer and talk about um, some other details. So this particular mind games question or mind games disorder is a disorder that is a rare type of sleep sleep related disorder that affects about 4% of the adult population. It is a disorder that describes repeated instances of extended, profoundly unnerving and well-remembered dreams. Um, These nightmares usually take place during REM sleep when dreams are longer and vivid. Um, And over time, this could cause sleep disturbance. It could cause a person significant unease and distract them from their day-to-day life. Um, So if you have any guesses and you're on Spotify, this is your last chance to throw in your uh, question or throw in your answer, not your question. And Keek, do you have any guesses as to what this disorder is? I'm so curious. I'm like, (laughs) I've never heard of of somebody... I've never, I mean, you said 4%. So obviously it's rare. Yeah. Because you know? I, I, I first when you started describing, I was like, is this like anxiety? Like, is it like, it's like, but, but you're saying that they actually have, they, they don't, they have these dreams when they're asleep or they're awake? When they're asleep. Yeah. So they're like, like regular like dreams or regular nightmares, basically, um, that are just kind of like terrorizing you a little bit while you're sleeping. They're not just like your normal state of the, State of the art. I'm I'm so I I'm so sad that this is a thing. Like it sounds terrible, right? It sounds terrible because it sounds worse than sleep apnea. It sounds worse. You know what I mean? It's like imagine going being petrified to go to sleep because you know that it's about to turn up. Right. Like you wouldn't want to sleep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's terrible. I'm. So you were actually close when you mentioned anxiety. So this disorder is actually called nightmare disorder, but another name for it is dream anxiety disorder. Um, this is the That's first. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. We feel a little right. It's okay. <laughs> um, but I thought this was really interesting. Um, I'll go over some of the symptoms here. So it can be described as acute, uh, which is a nightmare occurrence that is, uh, one month or less, lasting one month or less. It could be subacute where they last longer for longer than a month, um, but less than six months. And then it could be described as persistent uh, nightmare disorder, which is nightmares lasting for six months or longer. So it's also just uh, broken down by severity. So it could be considered mild where you just got one, one nightmare per week. It could be moderate where you're looking at one or more nightmares per week, but not nightly. Severe is usually nightmare episodes that are occurring occurring nightly. Um, it could involve uh, your dreams seeming very vivid and real and upsetting, often becoming more disturbing as the dream unfolds. Uh, 
your dream storyline is usually related to threats to safety or survival, but can have very disturbing themes. Uh, your dream wakes you up. You feel scared, anxious, angry, sad, or disgusted as a result of your dream. You feel sweaty or have a pounding heartbeat while in bed. Uh, you can think clearly upon awaken awakening and you can recall the details of your dream. Um, and your dream causes distress that keeps you from falling back asleep. So it's only nightmares are only considered a disorder when they occur frequently, cause major distress or impairment during the day, um, after the dream has occurred, um, affect your concentration or your memory because you can't stop thinking about your, your nightmares. Um, it can cause, of course, daytime sleepiness, fatigue, low energy, problems functioning at school or work, um, and then maybe behavior problems related to fear or related to bedtime or fear of the dark. Um, super interesting, right? That's so interesting. It's so it's interesting. All, it's also sad, and, but it's also one of those humbling kind of like thoughts of, you know, we talk about mental health and the developments that happen and like self-perpetuating sabotage chemical reactions that we induce and, and addictions. And then there's things that are straight up you like chemicals and things that happen like to you. Yeah. Rather than things that you created, you know? And so that's, it's almost like, I don't want to feel, you know what? Sometimes I, I, interestingly enough, give gratitude to my trauma and the things that happened to mm. me for another reason, but that's like, it, it just makes you wonder and think about when people are dealing with things and how they find gratitude and peace and strength mm -hmm. when it's something like that. Yeah. You know, and so it's just good that we rate you're raising awareness to all these like there's a lot of stuff out there. There <laughs> is. And every time I do an episode and I go and like deep dive into the whole of mental health disorders, I find really interesting things. And um yeah, it's just it's interesting and it's also like wow, I can't believe somebody's actually like dealing with this. And for some of these, it's not just adults, it's like kids are also going through this and oh, it's God. just yeah it's just it's just like interesting that. and I think this one was interesting for me because I I like love guided meditations and I love like the lucid dreaming like the ones that have like specific um hurts and I love to feel like I love the feeling of dreaming and I love to like lucid dream and put myself <laughs> into those stages yeah. if, if you've never heard of this go on YouTube type in lucid dreaming guided meditation and it's like one of my favorite things. I go to sleep to them at night. And I love the feeling of like dreaming and feeling very aware in my dream. Y'all probably listening to this like, damn, she is weird. But I told y'all <laughs> I'm a nerd and I'm a little weird and I'm okay with that. Like I'm at the point of life where I'm okay with that. But so it's something that I really, really enjoy. <laughs> so amazing. to hear this is like very, it's very sad and disheartening yeah. that somebody uh, would and have enjoy that. They can't enjoy that. And then just the anxiety of going to sleep every night has got to be like painful. Yeah. I mean, it probably translates into every one of their interactions and relationships and friendships and stuff. Like, you know, yeah. it's amazing. I'm sure the depression and addiction, there's, there's so many things that that might lead into. So thank you for sharing that. Like hopefully yeah. somebody out there is trying to find dreaming is an interesting concept. I'll tell you that. Like there are whole yeah. degrees dedicated to just what dreaming is so like really? there's so much we don't know about it right yeah it's like yeah. it's just very interesting and you wonder what is there something inducing or causing this you know is there because mm. because we all have things that we are causing we don't know 
Mm-hmm. But it is, it is a small percentage. So for me, it seems like a genetic kind of, I don't know, but maybe I about it. Maybe that's, that's, that's what I like to figure out because narcissism and stuff like that, those are not genetic disorders. Right. You have to, you have to understand the difference between something that is developed, but very real mm-hmm. because you've now developed a chemical reaction that like makes you think this way. And then bipolar and schizophrenia where mm-hmm. you have no choice, but to be yeah. there. Yeah. And sometimes I think schizophrenia, I actually did, just did an episode on schizophrenia and bipolar. I don't know if it's out yet by the time I release this, but um, there is actually a genetic uh, link between schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And there is also like some hereditary mm-hmm. like implications in those two disorders, which I found super interesting because mm-hmm. knowing that I think bipolar disorder in particular for men doesn't really come on, into play until like their early 20s. I mm-hmm. don't remember for women in particular, but um yeah, I think it's really interesting that something like that can kind of stay dormant. I don't want to say hidden dormant, exactly. Right. It can lay dormant for a really long time. Um, and then I think of something like narcissistic personality disorder, which is a personality disorder, which based on what I've read in the conversations I've had, personalities cannot be changed. At least that's what the DSM-5 says. That's what a lot of therapists say. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure you have some opinions on that, but it is saying that personality disorders cannot be changed. You can be made aware of your personality disorder and move through the world. I, I saw somebody with, is it antisocial? I think I'm going to screw up the name of the disorder. Um, but I, I was watching a video. Oh, is it antisocial? I'm screwing it up, but it's it's either antisocial or... It wasn't psychopathic disorder. It was a personality disorder. And I want to say it's antisocial, but I saw this kid and he was probably like in his mid twenties and he was, I think he had been diagnosed as having antisocial personality disorder. Hmm. Uh, Was it narcissistic? I don't know, but whatever it was, it was a very interesting personality disorder and he he was aware of it. He's like, I'm in therapy. I understand, was a very interesting, like, I understand what I have and I'm working to live life with it. And was it also, Asperger's? No, it wasn't Asperger's. It wasn't oh. Asperger's. It was okay. it was one that is usually villainized in TV shows and stuff. And so I want to say it's antisocial. I was so it that. might be sociopathic, actually, now that I'm thinking of it. It's sociopath? You know he's a sociopath? I gotta I gotta find I mean, because it's I, I it it makes sense. Because the thing about, I tell you, it's not narcissism because they don't, they're not aware and they don't want to, it's, it's such a, it's like a huge disorder of like facade. So like, even if you mm. like, that's, it's like therapist's worst nightmare because like, I'm never going to make you believe you're a narcissist because it's the premise right. of being a narcissist is not knowing actually who I am and like what I'm ashamed about. Like, it's, yeah. it's, so, but antisocial would make sense, but I've never really delved, delve into, you know, that the only thing I know about like an antisocial thing that, but this is not a personality disorder, but Asperger's makes you, is it, it's a social, um, it's a social disorder as well, yeah. but it's one that is chemical, it's not personality. Yeah. So it's very interesting. There's just so many things out there, you guys. Like, yeah, everybody has something, you know what I mean? If it's yeah. not John, they're straight up crazy. And you might not do that until they're like 30. So you're like, you really gotta like, until they're like 30. and be good no matter what happens and what somebody turns into, be good by yourself. And then yeah. like, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's like, how, it's, 
it's hard having a daughter. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's amazing. But like everything I do is trying to figure out what, yeah. how to teach her and guide her. And, yeah. and there are so many things to be aware of. Yeah. On, but first yourself. And then you got to be aware of all these other things. Like, you know. So. But at the end of the day, only thing you can control is yourself, though. Yeah, that's true. But that's And I don't like, know if that's like satisfying or terrifying. Well, it depends on if you're in control of your body or yeah. if your body is in control of you, making you think that the whole world is looking at you and thinking about you and talking about you. And and I might not win that, succeed in that. So I'm not gonna try. And like it's just mm. it's fear. It's ultimately it's at the at its core root, it's fear. And then our body just takes hold on to that, thinks it's normal and integrates yeah. it into our central nervous system. And so yeah. we live with it, but we don't have to, we really don't, you know, and depending on like anxiety is real. Like I, I had a couple of panic attacks. I have sisters who have readily ones that can't breathe. And like, you know, there's nothing yeah. you can do when you're in a panic attack. You know, yeah. it is literally your body that shuts you out. It shuts yeah. your brain up. You can't stop. Like, you know what I mean? So to recognize and be aware of these things, before that happens is really important, but it's, it's, it is really hard when there's codependency or enabling in the picture. And yeah. so sometimes we're, co we're enabling this behavior in our lives, whether it's our friends, our relationships, our husbands, our wives, our parents, our, our siblings, mm -hmm. and we don't know it. And so we are letting them be that thing. So I'm just on a mission to raise awareness to people, to women and their worthiness. And then like to what narcissism is. Yeah. And then especially if you're susceptible or not feeling worthy and you want to please and be mm. good enough, we, we're we basically enabling and perpetuating the cycle of them being yeah. able to exist. Yeah, it becomes a match at that point. Right, yeah. it's, exactly. So if we can get little girls to understand themselves and set those boundaries early enough, and recognize that, no, nah, wait a minute, that doesn't resonate. Like, mm, yeah, this is weird. Something weird is going on, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Cause you don't, it's like a, it's like a hypnotic, it's like a yeah. hypnosis. You can't tell that person anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, of course it just becomes your reality. So it's girl, you need, I'm so excited for this podcast. It's just like, <laughs> take off your Thanks, girl. well, I'm, I'm, I just want to say thank you again for hanging out with me tonight and hopping on the mic with me. I'm super excited to, um, have this opportunity to obviously record with you, but also introduce you to this community that I have. And um, I just, there's been so many times where we've been on the phone and I'm like, damn, I wish she would have said that on the podcast. Like, <laughs> get her on the, like, I need to just put a mic in front of her and like get this going. So I'm really happy that we finally linked up um, and had an opportunity to do this girl. You know, you can come back whenever you want to, you want to come back once a week. That's fine. Once a month, that's fine. But um, for now, I just want to say thank you um thanks for taking the time out to, to come and hang out with me tonight can i just say first of all you're welcome but also to all the listeners listening i don't think that they're i don't know there would be another guest on this show that can really say what i'm about to say from such an authentic space about who you are and what this podcast means to not just like you but everybody listening in your purpose like Ashley Gale, I know we touched, you touched on in the beginning about like our relationship and stuff. Um, growing up and, you know, dealing with the trauma of just childhood, like just growing up and becoming yourself and stuff like that. And everything that we dealt with, we'll talk about in future 
episodes if you want to. But Ashley has always been she we're the same age, but I see I've always seen you as my big sister because um when we were growing up, you were a beacon of light and safety for me that I didn't have. Being the oldest, uh, and then my brother being two years younger, I only had the brother who was like in my space, but we were in the same kind of like age group. And so I can say that like throughout my life, I've had people that I gravitated towards, taken many pages out of their books. You and your mother and your grandmother um, have showed me how to be a woman. There was mm. many ways where I was inspired by you to be strong where I wasn't strong and at an early age. So I'm saying this to say that if it weren't for you, I would be having a completely different conversation and narrative, and this would be a completely different story. So everything that I, <laughs> everything that I went through and, and been through and have got to see you were with me, you are a part of me. Like, and so I'm, I'm so proud of you and I'm so grateful for you. And um, the fact that you, especially uh, given your background and like, just, uh, it, this has always been, it. you guys, Ashley Gale has always been on this tip. Like since she was little, <laughs> she been so centered in figuring things out and, and emotions and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just want to thank you for everything you did for me to open up and 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 create a safe space and environment and what you do for all of your guests that also come on here to share because ultimately we're spreading light and awareness and love and you have I'm not the only person from our childhood who can say has been the person to go to, has been the person to talk to. You know, Aww. so um thanks, thanks for bringing out the best in me and everybody that comes on here like Ashley Gail, I love you, and you're just—I love you too. Me. You're an idol to me. Like you're—you're you're one of my icons for sure. Wow, that's like, <laughs> thank you. That is, woo, girl, I only cried like twice in this podcast. So this—this this is number two. <laughs> um, it's no, true. I thank you, Keek. I, you know, I, how much I appreciate. Um, I say friendship, but like you're my sister, and like no matter what happens you go to the other side of the world i go to the other side of the world <laughs> i feel like we can always come back together regardless of what happens in life and um like like i said earlier there are very few people in life that i feel like i can pick up the phone and be like okay whew, um like i need help or can you just like listen or or i have good news and i want to share it and um, I think we've just always had that connection, like from the jump, like when we met. Um, and I just, I appreciate your, your friendship. I appreciate your sisterhood. Um, I'm super proud of you. I'm super proud of everything that you've done, the person that you've like morphed into. And I'm really excited to see like what's next for you. So I'm really happy that we're here as in like, as like in our thirties, we've kind of, we're, we've grown up, like we're grown ups now. Like we're really doing this adulting thing every day. Yeah. Like for real. It's so, it's so weird. Cause like, we still like, we're, but we're still Ash and Keek though. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. Is that my adult womanhood person, my woman is still friends with your 
child. Actually yeah. good. Yeah, like yeah. like when I see us interacting inside, I see our inner children also. Yeah, so- like yay. Yeah, like messing around, driving around in our Jeep and oh running my gosh. the streets, like yes. going to all the parties. Like, oh my gosh. You know? yes. And so so yeah, so I, I I'm here for the rise, here for the evolution. I'm I I, I would like I'm not kidding about maybe not every week, but I would absolutely be honored to okay. con- like to we have get a- this going, girl. Like we have segment with you because it's fun for me. This yeah. was like I've been this is this is one of the like, best podcasts I've ever done. Like it, usually Thanks. they're strange. Like, you just ask me to like let people watch us hang out. Like we do this all the time. So I'm I think it would be amazing and we have lots of topics and people and I would love to you know. Oh, for sure. We are definitely doing this. So y'all keep, uh, stay tuned. Um, there'll be more episodes featuring Kiki coming soon. Um, we'll definitely figure this out, make it work. Um, but thank you again, Kiki. And thank you to everybody that's listening. I am still blown away by the sheer amount of people that like tune in every week, uh, or just like day by day and, and listen to episodes. Um, I want to, give myself a little bit of a pat on the back, but I also want to give my audience a little pat on the back because I have just broken 70,000 plays, which is like mind blowing to me. Um, I'm like on the fast track to a hundred thousand plays, but um, I'm giving like patting myself on the back. I'm also patting my husband on the back because he's the one that edits all these episodes. So I appreciate him. Um, But I also want to thank you to the listeners because I know not all of it is just organically people just typing in black girls and anxiety into like their podcast. I think a lot of it has been you guys like sharing, whether it be going on Instagram, following there, sharing from there, whether it be just like sharing it in your group chat, sharing it with your mom, your friends. Um, interesting enough, I had a somebody reach out on Instagram the other day and, sh- and she's like, I'm a white girl, but I, my best friend is black and I share this with her. She's got anxiety. So I think this, the sheer fact that people are tuning in and you guys are sharing and you guys are really connecting with the guests and getting something from this podcast is literally all that I ask for. So I just want to thank y'all. Um, thank you to everybody that's listening, whether you are, you've been around for a while or you, this is your first episode. Congratulations. You made it to the end. But thank you guys and please stay tuned for another great episode. Like I said, keep an eye out for more episodes featuring Kiki. If you're not following us on Instagram, follow us at Black Girls Have Anxiety too. And before I give out the rest of my little social medias, Kiki, where can people find you? And if people are interested in signing their kids up or signing up themselves for uh, modeling, coaching, where can they find you? Okay, so you can follow me at the Kiara Bellin on Instagram. Um, and then you can also follow our um, you know, company, The Fashion Life Tour, at thefashionlifetour.com, where you can get some information about the upcoming shows that we have, as well as how to be involved and how to get some training. There's a questionnaire there. And within you know, when you put your information in, somebody should contact you within a week to set up a little Zoom consultation with me. And uh, from there, we decide you know, your level and where we should go with it. So um, incredible shows coming up this year. We're adding Milan Fashion Week uh, this November 2023. So lots of exciting things to look forward to. So yeah, just go to thefashionlife.com um, or DM me at the Kiara Bell and also follow the Fashion Life Tour on Instagram. 
Yes, for sure. And then when she says fashion shows, next is she's talking about Milan, New York Fashion Week, London Fashion Week, LA Fashion Week. Your girl is out here. She's global. <laughs> so yeah. make sure if you're interested, make sure you guys reach out, follow her. Um, all, of her all of her information will be in the description below. Um, and yeah, thank you guys. I will go ahead and wrap this up because you guys have stuck around for a long time. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I will see you on the next episode. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal.